really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? I only agreed to make this video if they promise not to tell you who I am. I mean, it's really none of your business. And it's also none of your business how much I give. I, I'm not gonna brag about it, okay? I mean, yeah, it's cool. I just got married and I have a kid, okay? And sure, you know, we get around, we're doing okay. But look, who I am and what I give is, it's between God and I, okay? I mean, the sacrifices I make are between me and God, and my reward is in heaven. So look, don't try to figure out who I am or what I give, because honestly, it's, it's none of your business. I tithe. Okay, that's a lie. I don't tithe. I want to tithe. That's a lie, too. I don't even think about it. But seriously, you think God's up there like with a big old checklist going, hey, you tithe, you don't tithe? I don't buy that at all. Okay, I kind of buy that. Because what I say, give to God what is God's and give to Caesar what is Caesar's. I don't even know any Caesars. That's a lie. I know four Caesars, even the little one. Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Ha has the fund left your funds, huh? Has your do-re-mi taken a W-A-L-K, huh? <laughs> what if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make that the return would be mind-boggling? And, 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 it's, and it's promised. It's guaranteed. I know what you're saying. There's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 310. So it says in the Old Testament, it says, test me, give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this. I give this, he gives this. I give this, he gives this. I give this. Up right up there. He keeps giving. I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, he gives back. <laughs> crazy, isn't it? It works though. How do you think I afforded that house in Tahiti? <laughs> Oh, what time is it? It's tithing time. I tithe, but just not like in the form of a 10% check per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts, I buy some, boom, that's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom, that's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening, and they were charging $25 for child care. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. I, I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just... Crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would I would consider giving something, but not, now it's crazy. We're, we're, we're gonna give later, we've already talked about it. I mean, down the road we'll be crazy givers, but right now it's just crazy. 
Yeah, I have money, that's a fact. But you know what? It's a hard thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this? Watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on. You want it? Ah, come on, pastor. Do what I say, huh? Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. I hope it doesn't interfere. That everyone can hear how I give with cheer That everyone could be like me Some of you guys are really nervous, aren't you? I don't even want to ask you who got the elbow and, and said, see, I told you. <clears throat> I told you last week, listen, don't come back if you don't want to hear what God's word has to say, because it's going to get down and dirty for the next couple of weeks. Um, can I try to ask, answer a couple of questions um, this week? Can we do that? You get your Bibles, hold your Bibles, or your phones, whatever you've got. And uh, I, I hope that you've got a, one of those one of the notes fill in. You guys, you got one of those notes? If you don't have one, you can hold them up, and I'll, I bet you we can get you one. Uh, there are some hands that are stuck up here. Here comes Miss Sherry. She's got some. If you'll hold your hands up, she'll get you one, because I want to make sure you've got some notes. But we're going to try to answer a couple of questions today. Number one, does God expect us to give a tithe? Number two, why is the tithe something God asks of me? The past several, you guys have gotten awful quiet, awful fast. Um, the past several months as I've been working and preparing and planning, I think what makes this topic so difficult is the perception. It's the perception that's out there of when we talk about tithe, why people talk about tithe. Number one, listen, I have no clue what you give. The church is not in financial straits. This isn't about any of that stuff. This is about you. And I think one of the things that God has really set down inside of me over the past couple of months and really the past several weeks as I've been trying to finalize some things is this. Um, if I love you, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you over the next couple of weeks. Does that make sense? If I truly love you, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you because what I'm going to tell you is a direct impact on your relationship with God. Because there's no way you can have a relationship with God and not participate and do what God says do. That's just the way it goes, okay? This isn't about anything else. I don't care what your perception is or what you've seen or what you thought. Listen, I drive a 1998 red Ford pickup truck, okay? I don't drive two Porsches. Some of you now feel sorry for me, don't you? If I had two or three car payments, there's, there's no way that I could probably afford to tithe. But our family has made the decision years ago to do what God's Word says. I feel very convicted to tell you what I'm going to tell you over the, over the next several weeks. Just, just last week was just an entry. I'm going I'm to try to answer some questions, maybe tell you some things. Because I, I bet you that there's some things that you don't know that you've not been 
taught. And it's not because you don't want to, it's just because you don't know. So I'm going to do my best over the next couple of weeks to try to teach you some things that I think that are really important, that I felt like God has, has really been sitting down inside of me. And so I want to start today uh, by trying to answer that question, does God expect us to give back to him? I want you to turn in the Old Testament to the book of Leviticus, and let's just start there if we can. The book of Leviticus, chapter 27. And uh, we're going to look at several passages of Scripture. By the time it's done, we're going to be in Leviticus. We're going to be in the book of Malachi. We're going to be in the book of Matthew. Then we're going back, going back to the book of Deuteronomy. So we're going to be in several places today. But um, before we get to our passage of Scripture in, in, in Leviticus chapter 27, let me just tell you a little bit where things are at. So the Israelite people have been enslaved up until this point. If you remember, there was 400 years that they spent... Uh, enslaved by the Egyptians. And so the Egyptians, uh, their pagan practices and their polytheistic uh, thoughts, their worship of God, of many gods, had sort of made its way inside of the, the, the Jews, inside of their beliefs. And as a result, their view of God had been distorted. So I want you to understand that. And here it is, the book of Leviticus. Um, we don't spend an awful lot of time on that as believers today. But back then, it would have been one of the, one of the first scriptures that you would have read because as, as Jews, they would have wanted to make sure that their children understood the, sacramental, the sacrificial system, system that God had established because it was their way of worship. That was the way that they worshiped God. And it taught them how to not only have fellowship with God, but also fellowship with one another. And it also led them to know what it meant to, to repent and also um, to, re, to have their relationship with God renewed. But today, the sacrificial system that was one day in place, we don't practice that any longer. And why is that? Because of Jesus. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died on the cross once and for all for the sins of the world. So that sacrificial system that was one time in place is, is done and over with now. Because Jesus paid the price once and for all. And so... We might say the overall message, if we were to give an overall message of, of Leviticus, it might be this, that God is holy and he wants us to be holy. And the Israelites were God's chosen people and he wanted them to act like it and live like it. Now, let's just take that in the New Testament. Those of us that say that we're followers of Christ, we should be, act like followers of Christ and live like followers of Christ and be imitators of Christ, correct? Isn't that right? Yes. Isn't that correct? Yes. So anyway, I just want you to tell you that little bit to say that the book of Leviticus wasn't just important then, but it's also important today. So let's start with Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, and let me read to you what it says. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether it be grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart as holy. Can you read that out loud with me just for a second? One-tenth of the produce of the land whether grain from the field or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart as holy to him. Underline those words, belongs to the Lord, and underline should be set apart as holy to him. One-tenth. One-tenth. The translation of that word in the Hebrew is masar. It means one-tenth. He didn't he didn't say some, he didn't say all, he didn't say most, but he said how much? One-tenth. It's not subjective. Not subjective. If God didn't mean a tenth, he wouldn't have said a tenth. 
But why in the world would God say that? Look at what he says. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord and is to be set apart to him as holy. God expects us to give to him because it belongs to him, number one. Number two is to be set apart as holy. So let's just say that we got ten apples, and if we're going to give a tenth to the Lord, it would be how many of those apples? It would be one. Let's just say we have ten bunches of grapes. How many of those bunches of grapes belongs to the Lord? One. He asks us to give one-tenth to him. Why? Because it's to be set apart as holy. Holy specifically for a purpose. The Lord says, look, I'm going to give you nine. I'm going to give you nine-tenths, but what I want you to do is I want you to give me the first-tenth because it's mine and because it's to be set aside with a purpose. And that's what holy means. It means to be set aside, dedicated for a purpose. Now, there's some things in our house that, that are set aside for specific reasons. Meredith has some Christmas plates. When do you think we use the Christmas plates? We use them at Christmas. There are some Thanksgiving things that Meredith uses for Thanksgiving. Guess when they're used? Thanksgiving. They're not used at other times of the year, but they're used at those certain times of the year. When I was growing up, there were some steel vats that we had that were specifically used at a time of the year when we would have a hog killing. How many of you grew up and you had hog killings? Not too many of you guys, okay. So those steel vats were specifically used. They were stainless steel vats that were only used that one time a year, and they were to use hog lard, and it would also be used to store cracklins or crackling cornbread. Guys hungry now? So sometimes mom would send me out. She'd say, listen, go get me some lard and bring me some cracklings. She'd make some biscuits. Wanda, we're on the same page, aren't we? But she'd make some crackling cornbread. And those steel vats weren't used for anything except for that purpose. Now, I hear, I've, I've heard tale of that in the temple there were knives that were specifically used for a, a purpose. They were set aside and they were holy and they were set aside for one purpose. For the sacrifice. It's the only reason they were used. They were used for the sacrifice. They weren't to be taken home. They weren't to be used for anything else. But they were kept there at the temple. And they were used for the temple sacrifices. And here's what I believe God is saying. The tithe is mine. And it's holy and set apart for the Lord and his work. Yet how often do we rob God and take from him what is his pretty quiet. How often do we rob from God and take from him what is his? Those things that he has said, listen, this is not only mine, but it's set apart for a specific purpose. And I've heard this before. Pastor, you just don't understand. I don't have anything. Well, if you don't have anything, you don't have to worry because 10% of nothing is what? It's nothing. But I I believe that maybe that's just not the case. As a matter of fact, The issue probably exists on how we stewarded the other 90%, which brings me back to another thought. Listen, we've talked about this before. We've talked about give, saving, and living. Giving a percentage, saving something for a rainy day, um, living on the rest. Are we on the same? We've talked about this multiple times, that as as stewards of the resources, there should be a, a percentage that we give, a percentage that we save for a rainy day. Anybody ever had a rainy day? They come all the time. So not only to, to, to give, but also save something for a rainy day because it's coming. And then also then choose to live on the rest. 
It might look something like this, 10%, 10%, 80%, or it might be 10%, 15%, 75%. But let me tell you what, if you've got a house that, that, that takes up 50% of your income, I mean, it's not, you're not far from not having very much left because, listen, take the kids to McDonald's a couple of times. You have to pay a car, a car payment or two, have a little bit of insurance you've got to pay, and a couple of other unexpected bills. And by the time it's over with, you don't have anything. So it's very important that we steward our resources, and we've talked about it before. Listen, giving, saving, and living, that's just one of the ways. I, I, I had read this I read this in preparation because it's so easy to make an exchange in our finances. And I want to read this to you. This is out of, out of a recent uh, published report out of 20-something finance, and they studied 25,000 adults. And this is what they found. 41% responded by saying they spend less than what they make. 36% said that they spend everything that they make. Another 19% said they spend more than what they make. To put that in perspective, 55% of, of Americans today are either living paycheck by paycheck or going in the hole. That's a big deal. That's one of the reasons that we're going to do financial peace in January. We believe that that's so, so vitally important that you, that we live our lives in such a way that we are accountable. We'll be telling you more about that a little bit later. But I want you to turn to the book of Malachi, if you would, with me. And I want to look at Malachi chapter 3. And while you're turning there, I want to give you just a little bit of a, of a synopsis of what's happening leading up to, to this time. This is, this is the last book in the New Testament, okay? And between Malachi and the New Testament and John being born, there's 400 years of silence. But let me take you back just a little bit to 586 when the temple was destroyed. So in 586, the temple was destroyed. Nebuchadnezzar and his armies, they came in. They ended up exiling the Jews. They took them to Babylon. And um, they left behind there uh, in Jerusalem. What they did is they left behind those that were sick and those that were weak. And that was what was left behind. So everybody that was, that was of age, that was, uh, that was worthy, that was athletic, that was capable, that was smart, they exiled them to Babylon. It wasn't long after that that the Persians came in up under Cyrus and they took over and defeated the Babylonians. And so um, what ended up happening is after a period of time, King Cyrus said, listen, he gave them back the articles that had been stolen from the temple when the temple was destroyed. He gave it back to Zerubbabel and he said, you guys can go back and you can rebuild what was yours. So that's exactly, that's exactly what they did. They went back. But the first thing that they did before they built a temple was they built what? Does anybody remember? They built an altar. They built an altar so they could begin practicing the sacrificial system again because it was their way of, of worshiping the Lord. So they rebuilt the altar, and after they did, um, they began to worship the Lord, and they rebuilt the temple in a smaller fashion. And yet after rebuilding the temple, they still did not feel confident. Um, they, they still were discouraged because, because there was no... There was no protection. They didn't have a wall around them. And maybe you will remember that up under King uh, Artaxerxes, there was a guy by the name of Nehemiah that got word that things were not good back in, in Jerusalem. That even though the temple had been rebuilt, the people were still vulnerable and they were afraid. 
So, Neb- so uh, Nehemiah was the one that went back to rebuild the wall around the temple and around Jerusalem. That process did not take very long at all. But in doing so, when they got the wall rebuilt, the people's confidence were restored and they again felt safe and they were protected from the surrounding nations. And if you go back and read, you'll see where Ezra read the word of God and the people there became very, very confident that God was God and that he was their protector and that he was their provider. And they cried out and they confessed their sins and they made promises and commitments that they would always serve the Lord, their God. Are we on the same page? Are you with me? Well, guess what? It didn't take very long, for they forgot. Richard, they forgot all the great things that God had done. They forgot about God's protection. They forgot about God's provision. And, and, just, and they began to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Over time, they gradually gave in. They began to intermarry with the pagan, pagans in the area. As a result, their faith began to wane, and they began to lose sight of God's purpose for them as his children. So with that thought in mind, it brings us to the book of Malachi. Because what God does is now in his love, he sends the prophet Malachi to the people to address the issues that were going on. Okay? So here it is. Here it is, Malachi coming, being sent to the Jews who had been resettled back in that area around Jerusalem and Judea. And he began to address their neglect of the temple and their disrespect for God and his laws. Now, the, the name Malachi, it means messenger or God's messenger, and that's exactly what Malachi was. But what Malachi had to say just wasn't for the Jews, but it was also a warning for all of us. That, listen, God's not going to tolerate our foolishness. Man, he loves us, and he cares about us, and yet he will punish us for our sin. And yet, always remember this, God always gives us an opportunity to confess our sins and to turn to him and to repent, rather than to pronounce judgment. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to just confess our sins, to repent, and to turn back to him. Yet, judgment is there for those of us who refuse to do so. So the temple wall had been rebuilt. The temple had been rebuilt. The wall around the city had been rebuilt and things are going good but as a result their dependency on the Lord began to wane and there were three things specifically that happened number one their abuse crept into the sacrificial system read the first first part of Malachi and you'll see that the second thing is the covenant of marriage was compromised and the third thing what we're going to talk about today is the tithe was neglected and this is what we find in Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 and look at what The Lord says, should should people cheat God? Should we cheat him? The NIV says this, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? God, why, why would I ever want to rob you? I would never want to rob you. And he goes on to say, you've cheated me of tithes and offerings that were due to me. When we take from that tent that has been set aside specifically, that is holy and set aside for a purpose and we use it for something else, God said, in that moment, what you're doing is you're stealing from me. How many of you like a stealer or a thief or a robber? How many of you have ever been robbed before? That's a terrible feeling, isn't it? 
I remember when I was in college, and, and uh, I think it was in my first year, and I'd called back home, and uh, I got word. Mom said we had been robbed, and I thought, robbed? I mean, who in the world would want to rob us? I mean, that was so far, that was, like a, that was like a foreign thought for me. I mean, I grew up in an area where, I mean, your garage door was left open and your house was left. Why, why in the world would anybody do something like that? One of the things they stole was my high school class ring. And I remember when I came home from college, walking into the door, and it was like, oh, my goodness. Somebody else has been in my house that shouldn't have been here. And I remember that, I remember that feeling. And I don't know any of us that likes a thief or wants to be labeled as a a thief or a robber. But when we take from God, that's exactly what we're doing. We're stealing from God. We're robbing God. And it grieves his heart. Not because he needs the money. He doesn't need the money. But it grieves him because it's an indicator of our affections and our priorities. Look at what he goes on to say there in verse 9. You are under a curse. Underline that. So they've robbed God, and God says, you're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. You can write this down someplace. Obedience leads to blessing. Disobedience leads to curse. Obedience leads to blessing, whereas disobedience leads to being cursed. I will say this right here. Just because you're going through a difficult time doesn't mean that you're cursed I mean, because the Bible teaches us that even the righteous and the unrighteous will experience difficult times. But here, what they are experiencing is a specific result of their disobedience and rebellion to God because they were robbing God. There are some people that say, but you know, Pastor, that's, that's just an Old Testament concept. The issue of the tithe doesn't have anything, you don't even, not even mentioned in the New Testament. I've heard that before. I've heard that preached before. I've heard that taught. Listen, the New Testament said it's all his. To give generously and freely. But I want to show you a passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew. Turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 23, as a matter of fact. And I want to read you a passage of Scripture that Jesus himself addresses the issue of the tithe. Here's Jesus speaking to the religious leaders. He's condemning them for their teaching and their ways of living. And look at what he says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. Hypocrites. Isn't that one of the excuses that we hear from people on the outside why they don't want to come to, to, to the inside? Oh, that church is just filled with with hypocrites, actors. And here's Jesus said, for, for you are careful to what? Tithe. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And then what does Jesus say? You should what? You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Here's Jesus himself affirming the tithe. Jesus is saying to the religious leaders, you know, you go to so great extents. You guys are so disciplined to tithe, to great lengths to tithe, to give an outward sign of a tithe, and at a tenth of your herb gardens, for goodness sake. You want to do everything you can to follow the law. But then look at what he says. 
That's great. But don't stop there because that's not really what I'm aiming at. What I'm really aiming at is I'm aiming at your heart. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What does he say? Justice, mercy, and faith. Just because we give a tithe, it doesn't mean that our hearts are right. Think about that. I mean, just because you're, you're, you're dealing out 10% and, and putting it in an offering plate doesn't necessarily mean that your heart's right. And God, Jesus says it right here. But this is what he also he says. The tithe is elementary. Because we should be obedient and glorify God in every area of our, not, our life, not just our finances. Tithing is important. It's important. But it's not our money that God is after. Because he doesn't need it. But it's our hearts. That's what he really wants. It's our hearts. God's word instructs us to set aside a tenth of our income because God said it was his and it was holy and to be set aside. Which brings me to a second question. Why? Why does God command us to tithe? I want you to turn over to the book of Deuteronomy back in the Old Testament just for a second. And I want to read this to you today because I think as I begin to read this to you, some things are maybe will begin to fall into place and you'll understand why God asked us to tithe the purpose. We go, we go because it belongs to him and it's to be set aside as holy. But I'm fixing to show you something else. And I think it's going to help bring some things together and make sense. Why does God ask us to tithe? In Deuteronomy chapter 14, Deuteronomy chapter 14, I want to just grab a couple of thoughts from here. And then we're going to be done today. But just remember that question why. So here's Moses, the children of Israel getting ready to go into the promised land. If you'll remember, they've wandered around in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years because of their disobedience. Maybe you remember that. So 40 years they've wandered around, that generation had died off, and now you've got this new generation. They are ready to possess the promised land. And before they go in, Moses sits them all down and begins to address to them some things that God had already told his, their, um, their parents those that have come before them. And Moses tells them this starting in verse 12 uh, or 22 in chapter 14 of Deuteronomy. You must set aside a tithe of your crops. There's that word again, Masar, Hebrew, tenth. It's not a ninth. It's not an eleventh. It's a tenth. One-tenth of all the crops of your harvest each year. Bring this tithe, there's that word again, to the designated place of worship. This place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored and eat it there in his presence. Now it would be really difficult to get, I mean it's easy to get caught up there. What in the world is he talking about eating a tithe? Don't get caught up there. God's, he can, call, he can do whatever, whatever he wants to do with it, right? But here he says, listen, bring your tithe into the storehouse. You're going you're gonna to bring it to the designated place of worship and you're going you're gonna, to, so God's name is to honor, to be honored and you're going to eat it there in his, in his presence. And here in this instant, God tells them to bring the tithe to the designated place. And then look at what he goes on to say. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. And here's the reason why. One of them. Doing this, doing this, doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. 
Do you think God's going to go bankrupt because you don't tithe? That's a question. No. Do you think that the kingdom of God will fail because you don't tithe? No. God didn't institute it because it was for him. He instituted it because it was for, it was for us. It's for us. Because it teaches us to fear him. So that first thought is it teaches us to always fear God, to respect and to honor him. The practice and obedience to the command of tithing, what it does is it helps us keep God at the top of the priority list. And it gives us a better perspective of everything else. And this is the issue because how many times have I heard people over the years say, you know what, there's just no way that I can tithe. I don't make enough money. You don't understand the bills that I have. I understand. Understand fully. But when we don't tithe, guess what it does? Shows exactly where our priorities are at. There's some people I know that have experienced financial disaster and catastrophic events, and I understand and I know that that happens, but this is not what's being talked about here. I know that there are people that have gone through things that have turned their life upside down, people that have been very faithful, very God-honoring, God-fearing people, and I'm going to tell you those types of things, that can, they can happen. There may be some of you here that have gone through an experience like that, but that's not what we're talking about. I, this, this, I'm not talking about those that have walked through a valley, but I'm talking about those of us on the everyday level. But how many of us don't tithe, not because of a catastrophic event that we face, how many of us face don't tithe because of the catastrophic lifestyle we live? That should be an amen. It's awful quiet around here. The undisciplined catastrophic lifestyles. Listen, we struggle to tithe not because we're facing something that is beyond our control, but we're living out of control. That's why we don't tithe. It's not a priority. God allowed the people of Israel to spend 40 years in the desert, and a whole generation of people died off because they didn't trust and obey him. And God said, listen, I want you to tithe. And I want you to tithe because in doing this, number one, you're going to always fear me. It will teach you to fear and put me in that, in that, in that, in that first place. Then I want to teach you something second. And I heard this not long ago, and I thought, oh, my word. This puts it all in perspective. Let me read that for you just one more time, that passage of Scripture. You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the, the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn, underline Firstborn, males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. And here's the principle of the firstborn. I want to get it to you. It's the principle where God says, listen, I want you to give to me first. I want you to give to me first, and I want you to give to me second. I, want you to, I don't want you to pay all your bills and then give to me, but what I want you to do is I want you to give to me first because what it does, it demonstrates that we fear God, but also when we, 
when we give to God first, it exercises and builds our faith muscles. It's one thing to give to God because you fear him. It's another thing when you give to God first because you know that you can trust him. God, I'm, I'm going to give to you first because I, I fear you. I respect you. I want to honor you. But I'm also going to give to you first because I know that I can trust you more than anything else. See, if I got... If I got Let's just say I got, I got 10 goats. It's one thing to sacrifice one of those goats. Now, most people, they would look at the goats and they would go, that's the run of the bunch, give him to God. True? See, that's one of the issues that Malachi addresses up front in the book of Malachi because they were desecrating they were desecrating and they were not following through um, with the sacrificial system. But that's what we do a lot of times. It's, it's one thing to have, to, to have ten and, and set aside a tenth and to give it to God because what that is, is that's discipline. That doesn't really require faith when you've got nine more to hit, deal with. But when the first is born and we say, here God, this is yours. That's faith. And God loves that. I, I remember when, when Abby was born, and you guys know that we had waited 12 years to, to have children. So it came time to come home, and the doctor said, well, she's not going to be able to go home with you. You're going to have to leave leave her here with us because she's got jaundice and we're going to need to put her up in the lamp. And I look, guys, that just ain't going to happen. Mama's not going home and leaving that baby here. So you're going to have to find out something. What, what is this jaundice and what's this light and all this kind of stuff? And they begin to tell me and I go, well, listen, we can put the baby on the back side of the porch. We got 50 foot of, of, of area for sunlight that can come in those windows. So we ended up talking them into that and they allowed us to take Abby home and, and there we would put her during the daytime so she get, can get as much sunlight as possible. And I remember one of the days, in those first days that we had brought her home, and I was sitting there, and I've told you this before, but I want to emphasize it here. I was sitting in between the living room and, and, the, and the porch, and, and while I was sitting there, God spoke to me as clearly as a bell, and he said, give her to me. She's not yours. Give her to me. Well, twelve years. What do you mean, give her to you? Twelve years. And you know, my mind began to go back to Abraham and Isaac, Hannah and Samuel, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Mary and Joseph. Think about the first. God began to speak to me. And listen, when we practice the giving to God first, it blesses his heart. Because what it says is, Lord, I trust you. 
And the scripture says that that's faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the opposite of that verse would be something like this. When we exercise faith, God rejoices. And when we give a tithe to God, it, it not only demonstrates fear and respect, but also it demonstrates faith. Faith. See, what I'm telling you today isn't about me, because I don't know what goes on in your life. I only know what goes on in my life. I don't have a clue what you give. That's not my business. That's between you and the Lord. But what I'm telling you today comes from the Scripture. And God says when we do what he says to do, it honors him. And it blesses him. And in turn, we are blessed. So, you know, so, so what do you do? I mean, let's say that you're here and, and for, for whatever the reason and, and you just haven't been faithful in the tithe. Because you've never really known what the scripture has to say. And this is just a, just a little small blurb. There's going to be more, and I'm going to tell you in the next couple of weeks. But what happens if you haven't been faithful in the tithe? Maybe it's, maybe it's not because you didn't know. Maybe you just, just said, I'm not going to do it. Maybe you've known what the Word says, but maybe you're just here and you just said, I'm just not going to do what God says. Well, why in the world are you even coming to church? I mean, do you even call yourself a follower of Jesus? That doesn't make any sense. My prayer for you is that you would go to the Lord and you'd ask him for forgiveness if that's you. And you would say, God, man, I, I want to seek to live obediently. I want to live obediently because when, when we do, when we put God first, when we are obedient, let me tell you what happens. You begin to grow spiritually and the Lord is glorified. For some of you to tithe, it really wouldn't be that big of a deal. But for others to go to tithing now, later on in life, it'd be a really big deal. I'm telling you, there's no way I could have some of the bills that I hear people talk about. There's no way I could have those bills and those monthly expenditures going, going out and, and tithe. It'd be impossible. So for some of us here, it may mean that man, there's, some, some, there's some adjustments that have to be made. There's some changes that have to happen in your life. Maybe you need to drive a 98 Ford pickup like I do. I know that might just be way out of your range, but maybe you need to do that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's some of you guys that need to give up Starbucks. <laughs> maybe there's some of you guys that need to get rid of those storage units that's filled with junk that you're never going to use and you're paying for a storage unit. I'm starting to meddle now, aren't I? Maybe there's other expenses that you need to downsize or get rid of that have been choking you with the intent of putting God first. But let me tell you what. When you begin to make some changes, when you begin to make some changes in your life financially, and you begin to live as God said to live, there's some incredible things that will happen. There's some blessings that will happen and take place that you will never, ever understand or experience unless you're faithful. Some of you have never experienced the faithfulness of God because you've never stepped out and trusted him. Can we go back to the book of Malachi just for a second? Just go back to the book of Malachi. Now let's just pick up where we left off in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. 
And this is, this is what it says in Malachi 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do so, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will put out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. And then what does he say? Try me. Just try me. Try me. Try me. Put it to the test. This isn't about me. This isn't about God. But this is about you. About you. And if we are who we say we are, and if we are whose we say whose we are, we should do what he said we should do. And if we want to be obedient, and we want to be faithful, and if we want to put him first, we should tithe. Can we talk more about this next week? Now, how many of you, t- how many of you feel really bad today? Don't raise your hand. It wasn't that painful, was it? How many of you feel like you learned something today that you didn't know? Yeah. I wonder what God wants to teach us through this. I, I wonder what he wants us to, to learn through this. And I, 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 wonder, I wonder when we begin to live like God desires for us to live, I, I wonder what growth will begin to take place in the testimonies. Because, see, there's some testimony. See, we could sit here and begin to have some testimonies of people who have been faithful to tithe, and they can tell you some things that God has done. Meredith and I can. I know that Brian and Brooke can. I know that there are others of you that have testimonies that would say, Pastor, I want to stand up and give a testimony on tithing because let me tell you what God did in our life or in my life. But we'll only experience that when we're faithful. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, we're very thankful to be able to come into this place. It's a place that you've provided for us. And may we never take for granted this place like the Israelites took for granted uh, and overlooked your provision and your protection. I don't want us to ever do that. I don't want to ever get so comfortable, God, that we forget that you're God and you're in, you're in that place of authority. I don't want to ever forget that. I want us to remember who you are. Father, for us to be able to give our tithes and offerings to you because, Father, it reminds us, number one, it belongs to you and it's to be set aside as holy for a specific purpose, for reaching and sending out your kingdom to the world. But I also want us to be able to tithe and to experience the gift of tithing so that, God, we can, our faith can be exercised. Father, that we can learn to fear you because we, we know who you are and the power and your sovereignty. But God, also so that our, ex, our faith can be exercised. Father, would you do some things during the, these couple of weeks as we spend focusing together on making changes in our life if there are changes that need to be made? Help us to not become overwhelmed with the, with the, the, the law because recognize that it's, it's, it's not the outside that's really being addressed. It's the inside. 
And when the inside is right, it's so much easier for us to do what needs to be done on the outside. If there's someone that's here today, Father, that that doesn't even know you, even today, may it be that day that just says, I today want to give my life to Jesus. And if you're here and that's you, even this morning, would you come to me after this service? Would you come to me after this service and say, I want to give my life to Jesus? Help us to be your ambassadors, your hands and feet to this community so that others may come to know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.